0: Welcome back to Anna Good Podcast. We are happy to be back in season three with more amazing and future looking. And this is Tina, a reporter from Focus Ready for Tomorrow. And today I'm here with my co-host Andrew. Hi, Andrew.
1: We are trying a new narrative format, which means we'll be breaking out of the studio, taking you to the field, doing some interviews with everyday folks to hear more about what life in modern Cambodia is like. We also have a new friend and co-host here, this is Volek. She will tell you all about herself in a little bit here. Our friend Tina has some news, professional, personal. We can hear more from
0: uh, her. It's always like a great pleasure to work in AnaCode Podcast. I have also upcoming work and I need to go forward with a new opportunity. But yeah, two seasons in this
2: AnaCode Podcast, so i am see the member here. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Vontina and Andrew, for a really nice introductions. My name is Volek. I am a research officer at Conrad Anel Stiftung, Cambodia. I'm happy and honored to be another host for Anakut this season, and I look forward to having a really nice discussion with our speakers today.
1: Thank you so much, Bolek, and we are very happy to have you, as well as our fantastic guests. Today, our theme is women in the policy space of Cambodia. So we are talking about the ways women have a voice and how the affairs of this country are run. And to help us delve into this topic more, we have Ms. Bung Chan-Tol, who is the Executive Director of the Women's Media Center of Cambodia. Very busy doing lots of very interesting projects around the country. And we have Ms. Yuso Sotiri, who is the founder of the Next Women Generation project. Also doing a lot of interesting stuff. Has her own podcast, so check that out after this one. Thank you so much to both of you for joining us. We are honored that you would be here with us in the studio. and be kind of our guinea pigs for this whole new thing that we're doing. It'd be great if you could start by telling us about yourself.
3: First of all, I just would like to thank you so much, Andrew, for inviting me to be here. My name is Chantal Ong. Currently, I'm Executive Director of Women Media Center of Cambodia. Previously, I used to work in various non-profit organizations, both in Cambodia and in the United States. I used to work for the UN Office High Commissioner for Human Rights. Then I also found an NGO called Cambodian Women Crisis Center, WCC. I was I was the executive director for 10 years, then I moved to the state, then I worked in the state, mostly focused on domestic violence, violence against women over there. I just returned to Cambodia. Almost five years ago, I started my first two years with Arbitration Council Foundation, which is uh, to provide arbitration services to garment factory workers, more or less to address the issues of collective attitude between employee and employer. And for the last almost three years, I have been with Women Media Centre of Cambodia. Although I'm not new with the Women Media Centre of Cambodia, I used to be a board of directors of Women Media Centre 15 years ago four years I think. That is me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's great, thank you. That's an extensive background. Excited to hear more about that and if you could tell us a bit about your work.
4: Thank you so much for inviting me to be here. I'm a founder of Neck Women Generation, so uh, basically a volunteer project that I feature leadership story of women in Cambodia. But um, during the COVID time, we all go online. So I went online to interview other people outside of Cambodia, from Latin America, in America, in Europe, and some part of um, Asia, and share the stories through our online platforms, such as website and social media. And I also have a podcast, exactly the same name with my project, Neck Women Generation.
1: That's awesome. That's very cool. How many interviews have you done with people?
4: Actually, I didn't keep track, but it's around 50 people. I do the next generation as my hobby, but the project really helped me a lot. Actually, it guide me to be who I am. And you know, at some point in life, sometimes you feel down. Sometimes you feel OK, OK. But the project, because of the story of those women, and men also, it guided me to find you know a peaceful way of living as a human being. So that's why I keep doing the project.
0: I feel <laughs> empowered already. <laughs> From your perspective and your experience, what do you think about the landscape of women in Cambodia in politics and policy making?
3: I have been working on women issues for almost the last 30 years. So I could observe a lot of things has been happening. I could say that during the 90s to right now, 2020, we could see a lot of progress in terms of women in policies. We started from like, no one talking about violence against women, no one talking about domestic violence law, no one talking about how to help women, how to engage women in public policy. But right now, we could see that women representation is still very low in Cambodia. It's less than 20% at all level, right? At the National Assembly, around 20%. At the Senate, around 18% only. And at the government level, In average around twenty percent of women are represented in decision making a level in the journalism area. Like I am working right now, less than ten percent are women. And if we look at the judiciary, less than ten percent of women if we look at the local leadership, we could see even less than ten percent too. Representing commune, council, members. And if you look at in public space or sector, you could see around also less than twenty percent. So more or less at all level, women represent less than twenty percent. All those over constitution After the war, when UNTEC came, there was no constitution. There was a constitution before that, but UNTEC helped us to create one. When we start to get women to participate, to share their input, to develop the constitution, so why the constitution? With assistance from international community, it stated clearly that women has equal rights in all areas, of life in politics, in economic, in social and culture sector, So our constitution provide equal rights to women, right? And then Cambodia also a signatory state CEDAW convention, the convention on elimination of all forms of discrimination against women. So it stated clearly that women is equal, right? And the government has an obligation to take all measure right included affirmative action or we call a like special measure temporary special measure to promote women to accelerate women equality by taking any special measure to compensate the discriminatory history against women in Cambodia so it, it is clearly that the government promised to take all measure included policy legislation services education empowerment everything to promote women's rights but if we look at reality right now women representation has been increasing but it very slow i think this because of many issues because cambodian society always considered women is lower than men in society because the priority is given low to the women women get less education when women get less education, they have low confidence to join in politics. And also, over culture, it is very stereotyped, right? Because they said, oh, women's job is in the kitchen, men's job is the leader, right? The head of the family, only men can do politics not the woman's job. woman job women can be at the back support of the husband the woman's role is to take care of family like family caregiver so this really discourage women to join in politics and we could observe that right now any woman who join in politics not from the poor uh, Average family, right, middle class, and more from the high class family with a lot of good education, with a lot of support, and now they could join in politics. We can see their progress, but there are a lot of things need to be done. And the government also created the Ministry of Women Affairs during the 90s, and the Ministry of Women Affairs also passed. Almost four plan of action already, like national strategy to empower women, like rewrite number one. And right now I heard number four was just adopted recently. So the first one, they try to move women from being inactive or something without value to be a gym, which is like, value, the national values, right? That the first Neri Ratna strategy to women from nothing to a gym, right? And then the second policy, try to empower women economic. But number three, I was not in the country, so I don't really know. <laughs> uh, but then number four also, I heard it was just recently passed. But those policies, I'm sure, they try to empower women so that women could participate in politics, in economic, in any sector, right? But a lot of things need to be done, as I said, because of many um, challenges that women are facing. The issues of culture, the issues of stereotype, the issues of lack of support, right? There is a need for the government to locate more support, like national budget for women education for women empowerment. There should be a special measure such as quotas, right? They have to set up the quota, for instance, at the National Assembly. By the end of this year, 35% have to be women. And I could say, like, during the commune election, we invited Women Media Center. We hosted a show for all political party. They came to our office and present their platform of action, political platforms to address women issues, to empower women. I could See some political parties have very, very smart, very intellectual female candidate they are very capable but the issues they are not the head of the party they are still a whole uh, low position I think this is because of a value system we need to change attitude and behavior toward the woman so all 17 political party were invited to share their political platforms but I think only 14 came and I could observe because all the show I was there to hear what they said what they would like to do right if they won an election so so mostly, I observe that majority, they are still very low confident. They need a lot of training and support, communication skill. They still need a lot of training. But I saw some of them very, very intelligent. Right? So um, the issue is to support them, to encourage them. And also, like yesterday, I joined in a workshop organized by UNESCO and the Ministry of Tele and Communication to review the draft framework for media information literacy and digital literacy. We could see a lot of women in the room from different ministries. They are so educated, very informative, but I don't see them hold high enough position. So there should be a change over there, they should give appropriate position to those who have high quality. I saw mostly His Excellency or all men, yeah. So um, I wish to see uh, more women join in politics when they could not join in the politics or join in decision-making or make policy, it impacted so much on women's life. For instance, women in journalism, there is less than 10% of women in journalism, and most of them don't report like high profile cases, right? Aside as international affair, or political affair, mostly they report on agriculture or small, small thing, right? So when there is a lack of reporter as a woman, it not represent their interest much, right? So the issues has been forgotten. When it is not heard in the media, it is not heard to the policy maker, they are unlikely to get any policy there to support them. Mm. And also at the National Assembly at the legislative level there is very few women over there so any law I seldom hear them make any um, assertive uh, recommendation or make a big change over there. There is a need for bigger portion of women because 52% of Cambodian people are women. But if you look at the policy level, policy maker less than 20%. You know their voice is less. How could they convince so many males voice whom some of them don't even understand women issues and some of them even committed violence against women yeah, yeah and you, you can see all of that right?
0: what you just mentioned remind me of some country when they has kind of like women in political like decision in Asia like only two countries that provide like kind of like menstrual leave for women that they can like oh when you have like a bit period cramp you can take a leave and I kind of like imagine if in Cambodia there's like a high number of women sitting in decision-making or like political whether like women in Cambodia can have kind of like menstrual leave or not because I don't think men can really understand the pain of women having a period cramp right well but even
4: if you have more women in the decision-making level but the women do not bring women's concern or women's voice at the policy decision-making process so there is nothing gonna change so working to promote gender equality and women's rights this is not just only you know having more women at the decision-making level but make sure that their voice so both men and women understand the concern and need of practical needs and strategy of uh, women and girls um, at the ground and then uh, make sure that the strategy the policy can address those needs so this is how uh, you're gonna give them space to participate in politics, in economic or social space, or otherwise nothing gonna change. She just mentioned because we see at the highest level of the parliament, the Senate level, we have around 14% of women, but that 14%, stay remain the same in the establishment of the Senate. And then we haven't seen any change, and we want to see more women who sit there and women who speak out, who yeah. present us. And then this is, you know, as a young woman in Cambodia, this is what I want to see.
3: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with her because I have been with this women movement from the beginning right after the war so I could see many women because they are from high class they really conservative and they don't even support women cause right when we was lobbying for domestic violence law there was member of Parliament who is a woman right and from very high class family she even accused civil society who lobbied for passing of domestic violence law as people who make revolutionary right against over culture. She said she didn't support it and this civil society want to eliminate over culture something like that, her statement in the parliament during that time. So we feel like, oh wow, we have to change from ourselves as a woman first, right? To understand by women, to lobby for women, and also, yeah, to develop a country, to develop any policy. There is a need to support from both men and women. The issue is we have to gender sensitize those who are involved in politics, right? Men or women. But more or less, women still understand better about women issues than men, right? Since they are not experienced, for instance, the men don't understand how painful when you are giving labor, right? Women understand that. As you said, men may not understand how painful it is when women has menstruation scramble, right? So we have to confess that each of us, men and women, have different biological systems. So we may don't understand each other 100%, right? We are the ones who are living in a situation. We know more. But yeah, in terms of gender, some men very gender sensitive. Even advocate for us more than some women, why we were lobbying for passing the law on domestic violence. We need the support from men, yeah.
2: After listening to both of you, I've observed that we're making progress, small progress is still progress, and it feels like we need more female representation in all sectors, and most importantly, women need to support women need each- Well, you've touched upon a little bit on um, female representation in commune elections, and I think this topic is timely and important. We've seen that the number of female candidates is comparatively low compared to male candidates. So my question would be, what is the reason behind this, and what are the obstacles that hinders women political participation in commune election?
3: I could say security. Personal security is a main concern for women. I also talked with them when they came to a studio for the show, they said security, and their family don't want them to join in politics. Their family really again uh, they will, but for them they like politics, they still join, right? And what the family concern was that if she was killed, who take care of the kid? And they are young women, right? They have kids, they have family. If they were going to jail, who would take care of the kids? Of the elder uh, parents, something like that. Who take care of the family? This is the main concern, security. And second, I think there is a lack of support from the family. The family don't want them to join. You should stay at home. Just be nice. Why you try to make trouble for yourself? Something like that. What they say, and also over society don't really value women literacy. So this really discourage women, and also education play a role too. A woman have lower education than men in Cambodia at all levels. But for the young generation, the gap is very close right now. It is much better. But if we talk about women in politics and policy right now, more or less they are over than the age of 35. So still previous generation, not all generation, not previous (laughs) generation. Uh, For the younger generation, like the 20, they have uh, educated and the gap is closer, I hope during generation will be more women participate in politics, in policy making. And also um, there was a survey with many young girls who, I think younger than uh, 20-something, they even said they don't understand about politics. And between 20 to 35, I think, they said they had very little interest. So this have to be equipped with those girls from the young age so that they Have this desire to join in politics, or the way they don't even understand what is politics. Why they should join in politics? They didn't see that it helped to make to change their life positively if they join in decision making. A lot of things need to be started. Yeah, so culture, security, resources, education. Yeah.
1: So when we talk about progress being made generationally, over the years, especially post-war, what are we talking about? Like in what areas specifically can we point to and say, okay, representation of women here has improved?
4: If we look at the women parliamentarians, I think the data in 2013, I do not have um, the recent data update later on, but the percentage um, share of female parliamentarian um, was about 20%. So I think that is slightly improved from the previous years. To me, I think that is a progress. Many rooms to be improved in order to have more women, in order to make sure that women concern or women's issue can be addressed through the regulatory and policy frameworks. But having that progress, I think it's a good sign already. It's just a matter of as a citizen, as a woman in this country, so we want to see more women and hopefully our government can do more to make sure that we have more female representations at the national level. And at the ministry um, level, I think two or three women are hold the uh, ministerial oppositions and the rest are men. That is, you know, something that I have seen since, since I was young until now. I haven't seen much change, and especially the ministry that provide really critical policy that address the all ministries, but ministries such as education, health, economics, and so on. I hope to have more women sitting at the decision-making level, also make sure that the concern of people can be addressed. For instance, during the COVID-19, I think during the past two years, uh, women's issue became more surface, I guess, because of the impact of COVID. But before COVID, when we talk about domestic violence, people still consider it as a private kind of family issue not considered that as a public issue even though it is again criminal law and other issue as well when i work on harassment for instance I want to talk about the issue faced by low paid workers, such as government factory workers, such as workers in informal sectors, such as entertainment workers, beer promoters, and uh, informal, so uh, domestic workers and so on. So they face a particular issue. And then we need people who have gender perspective to see the issue and then try to address um, the issue from their needs, not just something that I don't know how to put it together. But it is not something that you think that they should get that, but to go to them, try to get the information of what they need and then try to address their needs. Because most of the time, the policy. The making process is kind of, you know, um, the people just sit together in one table and discuss about what people need but don't actually go out to the
3: real people and ask them what you actually need. For me, I agree with her that at the legislation level, like the first election, women were elected to the parliament around, I think if I remember, around 7%, but then it came up to 20%, but then 20% for so many years. Many times, right, from I think 2010 up to 2020, only around 20 percent. But 2022, it increased slightly, like 21 percent. So you can imagine, like, flat the curve.
0: As a women, as like a young Cambodian girl, you know, I feel like hearing all the information that you suggest, I kind of like, it's a big feeling, it's a mixed combination, I'm happy that we make progress. But I see that the reality is kind of sad, right? Because like the number of women in like political like realm within like this past 20 years, it's kind of like remain the same. I want to know like your perspective, like how positive you think that this kind of like progress will be like, how is it? going to look like,
3: let's say, in the next five years of like, How's right? the curse going to look like yeah. in the next yeah. few years? I, I saw in terms of representation, not much. It increased slightly. But in terms of policy, there are a lot of advancements for promoting women's rights. There are so many policies has been passed, but the issues, there is no enforcement, such as domestic violence law. It was passed so many years already. And then still women got killed by their husband, right? Last two weeks, yeah. so many cases yeah. raised up on social media, right? The woman got killed and a wife got killed, right? And then I saw also another one. He was kicking the face of the wife. And the other case, right? Like Miss Universe something, the guy followed to the rehearsal place. And there is no action. There is no arrest. If you look at domestic violence law, there is a provision about protection order, restraining order. But no one even mentioned about protection order or restraining order. The police should go to him because he went there tried to take her life. based on the text message, right? You would be not alive until what year? 2022 or something like that. This is a life-threatening. The police should be there. Don't wait for the complaint, right? She is subjected to restraining order, protection order at least, right? If she wants restraining order, she can file. And in the law, it stated clearly there. But no one care about that. And women continue to got killed. The victim have been followed by him. Again, and again, and again, I feel that I don't agree with her behavior, right, of being with someone's husband, but these different issues, right, this is her safety, her security. She should make a clear plan, right, safety plan, and people who work with these issues have to pay a lot of attention on that, but I feel there is no any action has been taken. So the issues in enforcing of the policy, that it needs to be strengthened, right, in terms of domestic violence violent law in terms of human trafficking law it was passed there was law but enforcement still need to do a lot more thing, right and if we look at the re strategies so many things full kind book. of like they think yeah <laughs> but then women representation is still slow women still victim in society they are still not stand on the same equal footing with the men so there are a lot of things need to be done
4: I want to add that because on the study by k National that is the NGO working in Cambodia on the perception of duty bearers, the police, local authority and so on on violence against women and uh, harassment and so on so they still have limited understanding of the harassment and violence against women so that's why it is really challenging for them to support survival victims of gender-based violence or harassment and I'll go back to the women in the policy process and women in politics because policy to me it's kind of technical kind of mm. stuff you know it is not that easy and she mentioned earlier and also based on uh, the study of international organization I think it is way When you run for a political party, you need resources, not just only education, education and resources. And then resources, you need to make sure that you have the whole package to support you to run for any uh, positions. And then you have the resources to make sure that when you go out of home to do whatever you want to pursue in your career, Uh, you want to make sure that your mother, your father, your children are at home. They have enough food to eat and they have people to take Mm -hmm. care of them. Not just only you as a mother go out and can do what you want to do and unpaid care. You know, in Cambodia, we have around 78 of women participate in the labour market and around 65 business owners in Cambodia women. But they need to bear the more responsibility, like dual um, responsibility. So they go out and do their job, you know, their work at home as well. So, you know, cleaning, cooking, take care of elderly and children and so on. So some women, they don't have good enough time to do, you know, some other stuff such as networking. And in politics, you know, networking is important. Uh, networking, connecting with people, and then find uh, the resources and your support network and so on. They, do, they don't have time um, to do that kind of thing. So despite, you know, the practical needs such as health, education, and so on, so they have some other strategic needs that they face as the issue.
3: Also, political party have to play a very crucial role in inspiring women to join, give them appropriate place to stand. I hear a lot of complaint that even men and men have equal like, resources, human capacity or financial capacity, still women put in the lower place. So why uh, women's rights group like CEDAW Committee? I used to be uh, elected chair of the CEDAW Committee, which composed of like around 60 uh, NGOs working to promote women's rights. We used to um, lobby the political party, to put women as alternate. One woman, one man, one man, one woman, something like that. But all the time, political party leader always said, oh, women are uh, not brave enough. If they are put on the top, they don't go to do a campaign properly or something like that. So there are a reason not to put women on the top list. So why many women on the bottom list? So why when few people on the top were elected? they are left out. So I think political parties have to play a crucial role and commit it. They have like a little bit lower capacity, just give it to women as special or temporary measure, right? To accelerate equality. Uh, For instance, if you need to choose a judge, here in the judiciary, for instance, women's representation is very low. In terms of prosecutor, Mm. there is less than 2% now women. Among 100 prosecutors, there is only two women and most of the case had paid for the woman, right? So uh, we used to lobby, oh, could you, for instance, if you make announcement, right, for the position of prosecutor or judges or lawyer, you should give low uh, qualification, right? for women to be eligible to the program. And then they can get training afterward after the the Otherwise, you can never get enough women to be in that field, because women not allow or not really encouraged to study law. During my time, I went to law school. Among 300 students, how many women in that law school? Only seven. At the end, I think only four or five could graduate. So it is not the women's field, right? And right now, when we want to, improve women's representation in the judiciary, we have to look at that. Like in Malaysia, like in one country, I forget. When their country don't allow women to study law, but then like five years later on, they amended the law, allow the women to go to law school. But when they choose judges and prosecutors, they require 10 year experience in the legal field. No one woman was eligible to the program and also like another program like in uh, i think in bangladesh women cannot own the land but then there was a program of the government stating that oh this program was for the women and for the woman to empower women but in order to get this loan to um, raise the fish you have to own the pond. and then there was no any woman could join in the program and then they review why women don't apply for it. And then when they look, oh, women don't have the right to land title. How could they <laughs> They own the pond, right? So we have to check all of those. We have to look at substantive equality, not just equality, right? Equality, just men and women equal, whatever women supposed to get to qualify, have to have the same criteria. It should not be, it have to be substantive equality it means they are equal but they have opportunity to use opportunity then also they have to have equality in getting the result not just equal the first stage and then they could not join in anything mm-hmm. and then after they get the result only the guy who get it, the woman don't get it. I still remember when I was young. After the war, Cambodia was still uh, under communism. They call like collective uh, rye planting. And then they um, divide the rice, right? After the harvest season. So they divide it like the men get two sacks, women get one sack. But why the man just ploughing, the woman planting, right? They do a lot of things too. And then I was young. My mom, my father was killed during the Khmeru. And my mom, with very small children, I always in the rice field with her the first year after the war. And I also helped my mom, right, carry playing and her to carry some nap and go to uh, frighten the bird out. But then when I saw my mom got just one sack. And the guy got too sad, they didn't do much work compared to my mom, right? She have to plan it and then take care of it and harvest it and do many things. So I was crying, I was young. I said, why you gave my mom less than that guy? My mom <laughs> spent a lot of time than that guy. I didn't know about That kind of thing, I feel very unfair for my mom, and my mom have to take care of many children, right? After the war, widow and nothing, all property were confiscated during the Khmeru and so on. I feel bad, so I I still remember that. Equality, it does not mean, mean equal, right? They have to have a law to provide equality, and then to provide opportunity, like I said, oh, less qualification, right? And then they could enjoy the same result.
4: Uh, I, I want to um, go back to your questions that um, how optimistic, um, you know, I am as a not so young, but still young, young woman <laughs> in, in Cambodia for the future to have more women in politics. Actually, when people talk about having women as our representatives, people talk about confidence um, and so on. But in the meantime, we also have Babs Ray, Women Code of Conduct. Even though it was removed from the national curriculum, I think more than 10 years ago in 2007, but it's still, you know, at home, so uh, I am taught by my mother and my grandma, how to be a woman. And then if you speak loud, if you speak a lot and you share your perspective, um, it means you are not a good girl. Uh, you should not go out after dark. Mm. You should take care of your family. And so many rules for us as a woman. And then if we still appreciate that kind of practice, and then we do not appreciate someone who come out as a woman, you know, as a human being, not just only to hold that norm. So it is really challenging to have more women in politics, even though we have policy, we have legal framework, we have the constitution. So the constitution states equal right of you know, every single Cambodian. But I don't think any change unless we change the perception, the cultural norm, the social norm of people on men and women in the society.
3: There has been a lot of training through radio, television, community outreach and so on for the past 30 years. I could see uh, some changes. A lot of changes right now, especially your generation start to be changed. More equal, you help each other in doing household and so on. Like my generation completely like what she said. My mom, you see, cannot speak loud, you cannot walk, make noise, you cannot stand under the sun or whatever many things. Uh, you have to serve the male family. I used to cry when I was in high school, right? Me only a daughter in the family. So all brothers, we all of us went to school, right? After school, when I arrived home, I had to cook cleaning, do everything, prepare food for all of us, right? My mom was a seller in the market, so she was busy in her business. And then um, my brother, they didn't do anything. They just go to play football, enjoy with friends. And sometimes I cry, I said, why in this house, everyone has the mouth <laughs> for eating? But why only me who do all kinds of this work? I also went to school. I was a really obedient girl in the house when I was young. My brother didn't do anything, so it is really unfair, but right now I could see the difference. Because of this effort from both the government and from civil society, it changed a lot in terms of domestic violence. When I first started, many people called to me. I founded Women Crisis Center. Like just the first day, the shelter was full. I created this Women Crisis Center because just a few hundred meters from my house, a guy stabbed his wife to death and burned with two other children. She was pregnant. And no one care about arresting him, helping her. And he not just killed only one, he killed the second wife too. And in the same place, the same house. So I feel so bad. I feel, oh, because that lady ran for assistance. And the neighbor said, no, they did not to help, right? Because this is your family issues. And finally she got killed. I feel so bad. So I feel, oh, if there was a place that woman could stay for a few overnight, then when she returned, maybe her husband calmed down, not angry, and she would not kill with the sisters market. So why I create Cambodian Women Crisis Center and it's full and many people just react, call me, threaten me. Why you do this? You try to make my way to be a star-born woman. Don't listen to me anymore and many things. So I could see in terms of understanding right now if we look at women movement there is a change at certain level. Right now we are at the stage of awareness raising but attitude changing, not the previous generation, the generation start to change behavior, right? But in terms of taking action, it's still not yet awareness, changing attitude, and take action for common good. We do not reach that level. We just reach the first level, the basic level. And many know about that right now, about women's right, about violence against women, women empowerment, but more in theory, not in the practice yet.
4: I think that probably because of the effort of, you know, the last, I think, 10 years, that um, the NGO... And, 30 years. Uh, I mean, the campaigns and uh, kind of work to raise awareness of people on violence against women, but it's still, what we see is fiscal violence, but violence, yeah, Verbal violence, sexual violence, and economic violence—that is something hidden, invisible, and it is really difficult. And we need more resources um, to support those victims to come out and report about those violence. Otherwise, we cannot make it better.
3: So we could see like the main progress is in awareness area, a legal uh, framework area, but still enforcement.
2: I think we could sit here and listen to this all day, but with <laughs> our time limitations, maybe one last question for both of you. Um, do you have any words that can encourage or motivate? With young girls, this generation, to participate more in politics and policy making? If you want to participate in uh, politics and if you want to be my
4: representative, go for it (laughs) I mean go for it (laughs) go for it because um, I want to see more women to sit at the parliament sit at the senate and at the local level as well because I think if more women will be there I want to make sure that what I am talking on camera today will be considered by those people um, at that level and try to address the issue of women because now what we face this is a reality what we face right now is that our issue is not fully considered by the stakeholder that we hope they they will consider us, such as, you know, those policy makers, those parliamentarians and senators uh, and so on. So if you want to go there, go for it and I'll vote for you.
1: <laughs> All right. And we are back with the finale of this first episode of Anakut Podcast. Our friend Sotiri had to go to take an urgent call. She was an excellent guest. She really had us very inspired at the end. And now we'll hear from our friend Chantal to take us out to the end of this episode.
3: Finally, I just would like to uh, say that any woman would like to join in politics, just go based on what you wanted. Don't fear of anything from my experience. If I want to do something, I don't listen much to the other who try to block me from doing what I am doing. We are the one who decide for our future and take action to achieve those, not just wanted, but you have to have a clear plan. When you have a dream, you have to make a clear plan. You have to uh, build up resources so that you could reach your destination. Like if you want to go to visit a Kampung Saum, then you have to set up the date, right? Set up the deadline, and then what would you like to plan in order to go there to reach Kampung Saum? So you just go ahead with it, what you want, and work hard, try uh, to be uh, consistent with your desire. Just go ahead. Nothing can prevent us from what we want to do. And work hard, then we get it.
0: There's no gender in go, right? When you like, you want to do something, just like do it.
3: Just do it, and you will get it at the end. If the first time you fail, go for the second time, third time. Finally, you will get it.
0: I would say I learned a lot today. I'm really like. We are really happy, empowered, and also, like, I know that there's loophole and also like, still, like, seeing that everyone, not only, like, the government or organization, but for us, like, Cambodia people, we need to, like, work together to push and also like, to break the barrier, glass ceiling, the stigma that, like, women face in everyday life, but also, like, in political, like, realm. So, yeah, thank you so much.
1: All right. That brings us to the end of episode one of season three of the Anakat podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks again to our excellent host, Chanton Sotiri, to our new friend and co-host, Volek. As always, thanks to Tina for doing an excellent job. And I was here as well. I hope you enjoyed this and join us for more episodes to come. This has been an episode of the Anacut Podcast, which is a program of Globe Media Asia. The program is sponsored by Conrad Adenauer-Stiftung and is hosted by yours truly, Postina and Wolek. As always, we are produced by Jan Müller, a.k.a. Professor Kinski.